Welcome to episode 51 of The Complete Works, season three, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Michelle Yeoh. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me on this journey into the Yeoh-averse is my friend, co-host, and fellow psychopath, Mike Tricio. How are you doing, Mike? I am scared and nervous and excited about this episode. (laughs) You think the pressure's on you to really deliver on this episode? That and just the a beloved a beloved franchise, you know, a beloved property, a thing that I really enjoy, and I don't think you you liked it or most people liked it. Uh, yeah. So I will we'll talk about that we'll in a minute. I think. It. Um, you know, a little while back on this podcast, uh, we talked about the Netflix series Marco Polo, Mike. Yes. And uh, how it was an example of the kind of the race uh, to make the next Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that was sort of the thing. It was a high budget historical fiction show, wide cast of characters some fantasy elements a few years later we can see that's still very much the case uh, for most networks <laughs> looking yep. for the next big thing uh i mean just I, I think it was last year suddenly it was like house of the dragon which is literally a game of thrones prequel was airing uh at the same time as lord of the rings the rings of power uh Andor and she hulk which she hulk not really trying to be that but still a big franchise thing uh and it was just like oh yeah there's a lot of this kind of thing happening right now look if there's one thing that studio executives know how to do it's chase a trend baby yes uh which is likely a big part of why netflix greenlit the witcher the witcher a series of fantasy books by polish author uh i'm gonna say the name wrong andre zipkowski am i right mike I, t- I it might be Andrzej, but I Andre I'm not really sure he's Polish. Yes, yeah, so it, it does end with a J. So it it's, does, it, but I don't know how you pronounce that in Polish. But Sapkowski is yeah. Sapkowski. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so yeah, that these books have been adapted to both TV and film before in Poland under the name The Hexer, but they really found huge success once they became video game adaptations. Uh, and The Witcher Three, especially like generally considered among the greatest games of all time. It's a pretty big game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. If you're interested in, in uh video game stuff, check out on YouTube. There's this channel. I don't really know the whole thing, but uh, I think he was a games journalist guy. It's called no clip. No clip is the channel. Yeah. Uh, and he does like feature length video game documentaries. And they're like, f- like actual fe- like feature productions. They're not just like some guy on YouTube. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and he did one on uh CD project red, which is the, company that made the witcher series and just like about them as a company and how they made the witcher and witcher three and it's really fascinating and insane if like they were just like literally like video game pirate guys that were like we can do it like in the 80s like when that was easier or different and now they made the best game ever made so (laughs) or one of them you know it's it's a crazy crazy story nice uh so those games generated interest for a whole new audience uh, which resulted in the books coming to america and that got netflix interested in adapting the series for their service originally they were going to make it into a film actually i don't know if you knew that really i don't think i did know that it was going to be a movie but due to the wealth of material they decided to make it a tv series uh and in 2019 the first season of the witcher starring henry cavill as Geralt, uh first premiered on the service and i think uh, that was about, uh, I came home for, uh, Christmas that year. Uh, and we, we did a, an in-person podcast where we reviewed star Wars, the rise of Skywalker. And I'm pretty sure you were like deep into the Witcher season one, or maybe had already finished it and it had just come out. Yeah. I remember it was around Christmas time that year and I did binge it probably over a weekend. So 
or that week. I don't really remember what the timing of when you were here, all that stuff. But yeah, definitely sat down and was like, got to get into it. Got to watch The Witcher. Right. And since then, the series, which was pretty well received at first, uh, has hit some road bumps uh, with many fans decrying a drop in quality as it went on and ultimately losing Henry Cavill as its lead, uh, who has since been recast with a guy that we like to call Hemsworth the Lesser <laughs> yes. for the upcoming season four. So that hasn't actually aired yet, right, Mike? Enemy of the pod, Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> he has it out uh, for us so bad. <laughs> yes. No, um, season three just finished or was aired or whatever, uh, I think this summer. And I think four is probably in production or go. Well, I guess now with the strike, I don't really know. And uh, yeah, so I don't know what the status of season four is post strike and all that stuff. But yeah, right. coming up. Uh- eventually right but uh, all these problems have not stopped the show from expanding because in addition to the three seasons so far uh, netflix also released an animated film uh, called the witcher nightmare of the wolf uh, and at the tail end of 2022 netflix released a four-part prequel miniseries set 1200 years before the events of the show and since michelle yo is in it we have got to talk about the witcher blood origin It all began 1,200 years ago, in the elven golden era, before the arrival of humans and monsters in the world. I've taken control of the entire continent. Faced with chaos, the people will always choose order, no matter the cost. Seven warriors, outcasts, strangers to each other bound together to fight an unstoppable empire. This is the future under the empire. We need to rise up. What is that thing? My beast has done well. I swore I'd kill you if we ever crossed paths again. How can we trust each other? By the blade. We have a chance if we do it together. The monoliths are causing tears between worlds. A gateway. The end of our world is upon us. We need to use this beast against him. We merge the creature's power with one of you. Come on, big lad. We're only just getting started. To the end. To the end. There'll be no coming back. You're a bard. I am a storyteller. I need you to sing a story back to life. Are you sure you've got the right man for this? So Michelle Yeoh appears in The Witcher Blood Origin as Cyan, who Wikipedia describes as <laughs> the last member of a nomadic tribe of sword elves called the Ghost Clan, who's on a mission to retrieve a blade stolen from her people. Uh, and she is one of the seven warriors who ultimately go up against the forces of Zintrea following its coup d'etat. 
among the show's other main characters, you've got uh, Ailee. I think it's pronounced Ailee. A lot of these are going to be like fantasy names that I don't know how to pronounce. Yeah, it's also like, I mean, it's fantasy names, so they're not real. But a lot of those names are like derived from like their Polish version of them. And you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> right. Uh, so Ailee is the, a warrior of the Queen's Guard, played by Sophia Brown. Uh, Fjall, the one who ultimately becomes the first witcher at the end of the show. Spoilers for me. I only watched the first episode. Uh, he played Lord, uh, played by Lawrence Ofarian. Merwin, the princess of Zentrea, is played by Mirren Mack from Sex Education. Uh, Chief Druid Baylor is played by Lenny Henry, a British comedian who that same year was also in The Sandman and Rings of Power. He's wow. doing the triple threat right there. That's that's pretty good. Uh, Aridin, the commander of the army, is played by Jacob Collins Levy of The White Princess. And Uthrock One Nut, uh, who's a colleague of Michelle Yeoh's character, is played by Dylan Moran from Shaun of the Dead. He's playing Dylan Moran. It's very funny when he gets introduced because you didn't get to that. Ep- I think it's episode four. Okay. Um, she's like introduces him to, to, uh, Eileen. He's like, Oh, this is what's, what's, I don't even remember his actual first name. What is it? Uthrock. Uthrock. This is Uthrock one nut. Uh, and he's just like puts his hands up and he's like, it's only a nickname. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then like, he's just that guy that like kind of walks through the background of scenes at the end of them and says a one liner to transition to the next scene. It's very weird. Okay. Um, but he's just playing like english comedian in this movie it's very weird <laughs> fair anyway. enough uh actually speaking of also returning from the original show uh is joey Beatty as jeskier um who yaskier uh yaskier is that how it's pronounced yeah. okay uh who is saved and then told the story of the show that you're watching um by shan chai uh a shan something like that shang chi uh, <laughs> uh who is a mysterious figure played by Minnie driver mini drivers in the show yeah that was wild yeah uh, i actually i haven't seen her in anything in a really long time but apparently she is currently starring in the second season of our flag means death on hbo max oh neat yeah so i haven't watched that. that yet yeah uh the witcher blood origin co-created by lauren schmidt hirsch who created the original show and declan debara who is a writer on the original show who acted as showrunner on this one uh we are specifically talking about the first episode today although mike d did watch all four um which is written by declan debara and co-directed by sarah o'gorman and vicky Jusin. the episode is titled of ballads brawlers and bloodied blades uh so all four episodes of the witcher blood origin were released on christmas day december 25th 2022 I think The Witcher has traditionally been like a holiday thing, right, Mike? It usually is a Christmas thing. I don't know why, or yeah, December thing. Um, I don't know why season three dropped earlier in the year. Maybe strike stuff. I have no idea. Maybe. Um, or they're just like, let's get the shit out of here. Um, you know, <laughs> Liam Hemsworth. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, that was a weird case where they announced Liam Hemsworth was replacing Henry Cavill before the final Henry Cavill season came out, you know, yeah, like, way was- before. It was before, I think it was after it had wrapped filming though. And it yeah. was just before it was out. But yeah, it definitely felt like, it definitely feels like the walls are, the wheels are coming off, you know? <laughs> it's unfortunate, I guess. Yeah. Um, so if you decided to go to the movies that Christmas day instead, uh, there were three new movies in the top 10, Mike. Oh. Uh, which were Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, a Mike D favorite. Um, Love that movie. I still haven't seen it yet. Uh, I got to get around to it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Are you right? Are you writing it down for Mike's Mike's? Mike I thought of it, but that's so long to wait to make you watch yeah. <laughs> a Puss in Boots movie. Just in November of 2024, I'm finally gonna get around to. Yeah, Puss unless Boots, I do it in like wish. January, but I don't know. Uh, you got that one coming out this weekend. Also, Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody, uh, which was just originally called I want to dance with somebody, and then they were like, we need to add Whitney Houston's name in the title or something. Get people in the theater. That's right. The uh, uh, emancipation of one. 
Whitney Houston. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Damien Chazelle's Babylon also came out this weekend. A movie I that still I haven't seen Babylon. A movie that I liked. So there's yeah. <laughs> so January 2024, we'll do a Puss in Boots. We'll do a catch up from 2022. <laughs> Puss in Boots and Babylon. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be a wild double feature. Um, uh, of course, none of those three movies had the juice to top Avatar The Way of Water in the number one spot. Uh, the rest of the top 10 consisted of Violent Night, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, The Whale, The Fablemans, The Menu, and Disney's Strange World. Uh, the IMDb plot synopsis for The Witcher Blood Origin reads. More than a thousand years before the events of The Witcher, seven outcasts in an elven world join forces in a quest against an all-powerful empire. Uh, so, Mike D., coming into this episode, I have not seen any Witcher things. I, I am completely unfamiliar <laughs> with Witcher the Witcher neophyte. Exactly. Completely unfamiliar with the world of The Witcher. I have not read the books. I have not played the video games. Uh, I have not watched the other show. I've not watched the main show, The Witcher. Uh, so this is my only entry into the world of The Witcher is this one episode <laughs> of The Witcher Blood Origin. Um, by contrast, you have done all of those things. Is that right? Yes, I have. I have not played uh, Witcher one and two um, because I've heard oh, one is supposedly one of those like just tech video games didn't know yet kind of games like it's really bad and like a ps2 era i think or yeah. something like that and but yeah witcher 3 is one of my i played play that game blew my mind uh loved it was like i must put all of the time into this game what there's books what um, <laughs> um then got all the books read all of those was very excited for the tv show the the or the or like the main series um henry cavill huge nerd like it is a huge nerd and was like all of the like requested to audition and all this stuff, whatever, all that behind the scenes mumbo jumbo. Right. Uh, which is unfortunate and not a great sign that he's leaving. Um, although now he's doing like a Warhammer 40 K thing or something, right? He's supposedly attached to Yeah, I think on Amazon prime, which they, they are adapting Warhammer and then they're, they're also doing a God of war show apparently. Um, Oh, that's cool. That, yeah, I could be into that, but I, I did hear that the God of war show is starting with the Norse era of God of war. You know, the, the two mm -hmm. recent God of war games. And to me, I feel like the Norse era holds so much weight because of the events of the Greek era of God of War. Right. Um, you know, so, so there's that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Who knows? So, yeah, I was I remember when they announced this Blood Origins thing and there's like, oh, shit, this is really cool. Michelle Yeoh is going to be in it. This, you know, 2022 can't wait. So, yeah. But then but then even by season two, I kind of enjoyed season two of the main main series. But then I tried to watch season three. I don't remember how many episodes I made it in, but there's literally a point where Siri uh, is doing a thing and then it just kind of like cuts to her running in the forest and it's it's just like oh we have to get to this main plot point thing and there's kind of no connective tissue she's reunited with a character that hasn't been around in a while out of nowhere and they're just like haha and then the, like they continue on our journey like they just like forgot they were had this other story to tell yeah uh, and i was just like i don't i don't think i'm in anymore um so i think maybe i watched five episodes and i that might only be eight episodes i don't remember um and i didn't finish season three so that's unfortunate but maybe i will at some point because i do i do like these this story i like this franchise it's it's near and dear to my heart that's my coming into the witcher stuff so i'm very interested in how confused you were about any of this stuff because it, <laughs> it's weirdly disconnected but also it has that framing story with Jaskier, Jaskier. Yeah. So it's like you, that you will just be absolutely lost. What's going on there? I was completely um, thrown off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what what do you think overall, I guess, with the broadly for the uh, rest of the episode, as far as like being lost? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say 
I, I was kind of lost, not because it was connecting to a lot of other stuff that I didn't know about. Cause it, I mean, it, I think it was, but like, it wasn't something that like I felt, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think framing it in the way that it did where it's like, okay, like after the first few minutes, I figured out like, okay, that was the present day. Like right. the guy, the guy mentioned Geralt and I've heard the name Geralt. I know that's the character Henry Cavill plays. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm assuming he is the witcher, right? Like he's the, the titular, titular witcher. witcher. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Uh, and so he mentioned Geralt and I was like, okay, if he knows Geralt, then like in like, and he seems like he knows him personally, then that this must be the present day. And that does seem like it, that is what it is. And the episode starts with like, you know, him meeting Minnie driver and her being like, and now I will tell you the tale of how the first witcher came to be. And then it seems like, okay, so like, I think, I think framing it in that way, maybe be like, okay, so this is like homework. This is lore. Yes. <laughs> this is, this is just like witcher lore for people who already like the witcher. And it's like, just kind of making me go like, no, thanks. I, yes. don't, I don't know. Uh, and so I, I did get introduced to a lot of characters I had never seen before, which would have happened one way or the other either way. And I think the show did an OK job of like making sure each character felt distinctive or whatever. But because there are so many of them and because I was already kind of put off by it just being like, this is lore. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I didn't really enjoy the first episode all that much, but I did think it was interesting kind of compared to uh, House of the Dragon. Um, mm. which uh, is a show that I really like theoretically should feel like this is lore, right? Like that's a show that like is very much just game of Thrones lore, right? Like that's yeah. Start, starting with that title card of like a, th- a thousand years before yes. the reign of uh, Daenerys. Yeah. You're like, Oh my yeah. God. And, and when I, before I watched house of the dragon, that was my kind of thought going into it. I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this. I, I loved game of Thrones. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to like house of the dragon that much. It just feels like a lot of backstory that I don't care about. Uh, and I think the first, two episodes or the first episode maybe like kind of felt like that to me but it caught my attention pretty quickly uh yeah and, you know but like by the end of episode two i was like pretty in on house of the dragon and uh that show i felt like took a lot of like really interesting turns and risks like it was crazy that they like jumped ahead like a year per episode and then like suddenly there's a 10 year time jump in the first season like the actors are different now <laughs> Yeah, you know? uh, I think it did a pretty good job of like setting up that lore to be like actual an actual compelling story in its own right. Uh, and so maybe Blood Origin, if I had watched more of it, could have done that for me. But I think I I feel like I sh- I have to be in the world of The Witcher in order to enjoy it. Mm, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I Ultimately, I come down on I don't know if it's a very good Witcher thing. I'm in the bag for a fantasy story about getting the band together to take down an empire. Sure. Like, not like disconnected from Witcher stuff, just that trope, that setup in like a tight, tight air quotes, tight four episode thing. And it's not some like long drawn out series or whatever uh, is fun. Pretty cool for me. You know, I enjoy that. Like, you know, how are these seven people going to fight their way through a city and get to the Empress and the fortress and all that stuff? As far as an actual like good show. It's pretty thin. It's I've described it already. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. just these seven, uh, seven strangers. Can they put to these enemies? Can they become uh, allies long enough to blah, blah, blah? You know, whatever you get it. So there's that. And then the Witcher stuff of it feels cool on one level. Cause like, yeah, it's like, Oh, that's this place. Zintreya in a thousand years ago is an elven city. And then in the main series, it's a human city now and it's the elves are gone and all this stuff. Right. Okay. So you get a little bit of that backstory. Cause a lot of the main, Witcher stuff is this war between uh, these human kingdoms while they're also simultaneously using this one empire, the one empire from the South or whatever is using 
these like elven gorilla fighters, like they're stoking them. It's kind of like a weird Arabian or Mujahideen, like an Afghanistan thing where like they're yeah. funding these freedom fighters to be terrorists against the humans um, with the promise of we'll give you land. And then, of course, double crossing evil human stuff. You see like where how far the elves have fallen. And then this is you get the chance to see like when they were the powerful empire that ruled the world kind of thing at the in this episode or the series. Um, okay. So like, it's neat on that level. But Witcher stuff. It's all the lore backstory things are all like wink, wink, nudge, nudge hinted at. There's no, there's never a moment in the Witcher where someone's like, and now I must tell you the history of the, like, and like tells the main character, the back, like a, like a, you know, a 20 page monologue about what this empire was. Right. It's like, well, we've heard tales of this and we found writings and this carvings on the walls indicate blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like all these like weird things that are talked about and referenced. Um, So for a show to be like, and now here's four episodes explaining how this thing happened. It feels like weird and not really connected to the Witcher style or I don't know how to, you know, it, it feels out of place within the, the universe and stuff of the Witcher to like just be like, and now a history lesson. Um, yeah. And I mean, and that is always the danger with like kind of doing a prequel to the previous thing. Right. I yeah. think, um, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid. And, you know, the Star Wars prequels came out when I was like six. The first one came out when I was like six. Yeah. Uh, but I remember like, you know, ha- loving Star Wars. Like before the prequels came out, I loved the original Star Wars trilogy. Right. And after the prequels came out, I noticed a line that I had never noticed before. That's in the original trilogy, uh, which is when Luke says something to Obi-Wan like, oh, you fought with my father in the Clone Wars. Uh, and <laughs> right. like that, that was in the movie in 1977. Like that was the, the original Star Wars. <laughs> and it yeah. was there. And it's like, oh. That line tells you there's a whole rich history of wild shit that probably happened. Uh, and then you watch Attack of the Clones in practice and it's like, man, I wish it was just this one line that never <laughs> that, that, that never happened, that never expanded beyond that. You know? <laughs> yeah, I wish my imagination of the Clone Wars got to stay its own thing and yes. not have to uh, <laughs> be uh, shown to me. And yeah, that, that's a lot of like what the stuff with The Witcher is. And a lot of the with the books in particular, uh, they have this thing. I think is like one of my favorite parts of the store of the like of the books and like their their whole layout and everything is I think almost every chapter either ends or begins. I forget if it's always the same every time with like an excerpt from a different book. It'll start with like a this like, you know, kind of like a medical document or like a, a whatever a description of the way vampires work or whatever, you know, like some, I'm just trying to think of some fantasy shit. Um, and then it'll be like excerpted from professors, uh, study on vampires, whatever. And then like, that'll be a ref. That'll be like useful information for the next chapter when Geralt fights a vampire. But you as the reader know this thing that Geralt doesn't know. And it's like that kind of thing. And they do that with like history, compiled history of whatever war, you know, like stuff like that. Like these, all these excerpts that are like a page or two long that sort of reference whatever's going on in the book that like the current chapter, but give you that glimpse that, Oh, there's a future to this world where someone has now written history about this war. Right. Or there's a past where like stuff like that. So that's the like kind of implied world building lore stuff that goes on throughout all the books that then now when you're making a TV show, you're like, well, I guess we have to just tell the whole story. You know, it it feels like weird like that to like, like we were saying, just like set it out in stone like, and this is what happened to Zintreya a thousand years ago, instead of just being like a, a clip from a book we get a, a glimpse at, you know? Um, right. Which I think is sort of like also weirdly referenced a little bit in the princess's character or the empress's character, right? She's always about collecting the books and we're, we're surrounded by all this dwarven history, right? And the carvings and the walls and stuff like that uh, throughout the, 
for I think I think that's in the first episode because I did watch all four of them because I right. was like, well, I guess I'll keep going. Like, and then I was well, you're a Witcher guy. <laughs> I'm a Witcher guy. Michelle Yeoh's not in the first episode a whole lot, and yeah. I was like, oh man. Is she in this next episode? And she is in most of the rest of the episodes. So I was like, okay, thank God. And then after the second one, I was like, well, there's only two left. I guess I'll get in. You know, I just, so I just finished them all. Uh, yeah. You, you texted me after I had watched the first one, uh, or actually, no, it was right before I watched the first one saying that it, this is a Marco Polo situation. Like Michelle Yeoh is only in the end of the first episode. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll try to watch episode two as well. Uh, I watched the first one and then I, I was thinking about watching episode two <laughs> and mm-hmm. then a didn't really have time this weekend. There was a film festival going on. Uh, and B I had like no desire to, <laughs> to, to go any further. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would have watched them anyway. I don't know. I watched the first episode and it was kind of like, well, I've done it. I think I'm good. Yeah. But then I was kind of curious if, cause it seems like she's joining the team at the end of that first episode. And I was like, right. well, let me just see if she's in more. And then she is. And then I was like, well, there's only two left. So I just like, <laughs> well kind of did going. it by accident. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's how Netflix wants you to watch it. Uh, just, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, would you have watched the show when it came out in December of 2022, if you weren't doing the podcast? Like if you, you know, at that, at that point, I think it was before Witcher season three came out. So I, th- I think you held off on this because Michelle Yeoh was in it, right? Yeah, probably. I probably would have watched it because I was pretty high on season two. I think, our, you know, overall it was, it was an improvement on season one which got a, gets a lot of flack for uh, they're still weirdly sticking with this, like disjointed timelines. Okay. Where like there's, so there's like a, a there's Geralt with Henry Cavill. There's Siri, who's like the young princess with uh, Freya Allen from Gunpowder Milkshake, who's the young. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I think I remember, Karen Gillen. Sa- remember saying that she was in the Witcher, right? The girl. Yeah. She plays Siri. And then I forget the actress's name. Anya something or Anna something. Um, Anna Darmus. She's not no, on The Witcher. Is she? Not Anna Darmus. No. <laughs> uh, who plays Yennefer? And it's their three storylines, and it kind of is like wink, winking that they're concurrent, right? The first couple episodes, and then like I think episode three or four is like, oh no, they're separated because they're separated by like decades. Uh, and when they all come together finally, you're like late at the end of the season, um, and then they do that again in season two, and you're like, but wait a second. <laughs> They were already together. <laughs> What's going on at the right. end of season one? So that was weird. Uh, and they like break the fourth wall about it, which is funny. Um, huh. With that Yaskier character, he's a bard, uh, storyteller, poet thing. So he gets to be the comedic relief and like be like weirdly aware that it's a story that's going on, you know, a little bit. Um, okay. Because that, that he did, um, you know, not knowing anything about The Witcher. Like when he showed up, like mm-hmm. in the first, you know, five minutes or whatever is, is him meeting a mini driver. He's in a battle. He almost dies. And then she saves him. Yeah. Um, but he's like cracking jokes left and right. He's doing like a, like a lot of bits. Yeah. And I was like, what is the tone of this show? Like, what, what is this? <laughs> Cause I don't know this character and I don't know that's his thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, it's, it's less like, you know, anachronistic and stuff that I'm, maybe I'm letting it out to be. With it, his it, character. It felt pretty anachronistic in the prequel show. That, that Yeah. Felt, oh, yeah. definitely. In that like one, t- one scene that he's got, but he, he is like the, he's the comedic relief guy. And he, he's a lot of times they, they make him, uh, at least in the books a lot, like the damsel in distress that Geralt has to save because, okay. uh, yes, you're like too horny to be allowed to live. Like he's <laughs> always just like, well, I can go sleep with this princess, right? It'll be fine. And then like the armies start marching because he defiled the whatever, you know, and go okay. rescue him and shit like that. Silly, silly fantasy stuff like that. That's, that's kind of the yes, your vibe. But yeah, I was wondering like how, how annoying he would be not knowing anything about him. 
<laughs> and he's just immediately doing like sarcastic one-liners at midi driver you're like what's going on yeah at like a rapid he's like a robin williams-esque pace like just yes like absolutely constant, uh you know uh so yeah I, I could see him be like yeah maybe working in the original show i don't know <laughs> Yeah, in this not knowing who he was, he felt like uh, this feels weird to me. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, Michelle Yeoh is in the show, Mike. Yes, she is. Uh, and so I, you have a much fuller picture of her performance because you watched the whole show. Uh, and again, I only saw the first episode. Um, she pops up at the end of the first episode. It's like the last 10 minutes. Uh, she gets a fight scene in, uh, she's fighting with, um, it, it truly is like the end of Marco Polo, right? Yeah. That's, show uh, up in the last 10 minutes and have a sword fight. Like, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, and so yeah, it gets a, gets a sword fight. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. She's like an elf princess or something like an elf warrior. And so yes. she has, she has like the elf ears. She has like blue eyes, I think. Um, and it's doing a whole thing. I will say, uh, before I started the show, like before I clicked play, I thought Michelle Yeoh was the main character. <laughs> uh, uh, and the reason I thought I had two reasons why I thought that the first, which of which is that I remember when the show was coming out, I follow, uh, Aaron Stewart on, on Twitter, who was the writer of Mandy, uh, with Nicolas Cage and mm-hmm. also worked on this show. I think he co-wrote episode two or something he's credited as, uh, and I remember him tweeting something about like, it's, it's like a dream come true to have written something that Michelle Yeoh is in. And he like posts a picture with Michelle Yeoh and the Witcher blood origin. And I was like, Oh, cool. Neat. Uh, and so I saw that and then anytime I went to Netflix and saw it, I put it in my list. Uh, it was Michelle Yeoh's face in the cover. Uh, yeah. Like it was, <laughs> you know, and Netflix does that a lot where they kind of like, you know, tailor that thumbnail to make it like uh, as appealing to you as possible. And they've seen me watch Michelle Yeoh movies in the past, quite recently, actually, with Gunpowder Milkshake and School for Good and Evil. Uh, so I think they were like, this guy likes Michelle Yeoh. And they placed Michelle Yeoh's face in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it like oddly terrifying to consider the fact that like my thumbnail for the office is different from your thumbnail from the office? Or, or a little anything? weird. Yeah, no, a little bit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Scary. Anyway. I, I, remember it, I mean, it was, it, it's such common practice now, but I remember when like people discovered they were doing that years ago, it was like, oh God, what, what why? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Michelle Yeoh is in this and yeah, she plays uh, this like sword, sword maiden or sword teacher, whatever, uh, elf who teaches uh, the lark the main character's like nickname because I don't remember her real name. So I'm just going to say the Lark because they uh, all call her that. Yes. Cyan is her character's name. Oh yeah. Oh, so, oh sorry. Cyan is Michelle Yeoh, but like a, a, a or oh, whatever, uh, the, oh, uh, the Ailey? actual Ailey. Yeah. The main character of the show actually. And, uh, yeah, so it's them. They, they're going to get the ga- gang together to, to overthrow the newly found Empress who has committed a coup against the King and, and the King's guard and killed everybody. Killed the families of the two main characters, uh, the Lark and Fjall, right? Uh, right. And so they they got to get the band together, basically. And who who can they help? But find the Lark's old sword teacher, basically. Uh, and that's that's who Michelle Yeoh is playing. And uh, she's got this like you know she's the ghost tribe. They've got this like weird mysticism thing where she communicates with her ancestors. And and yeah, they they get there in the last ten minutes. She beats the shit out of them with a sword scabbard, and then is like, hmm, there may be potential yet to teach you fate to credits and you're like oh, no yeah. fuck. <laughs> fine um, episode two let's go yeah wow. exactly. yeah basically <laughs> but i will say if that if that guy that screenwriter did write uh episode two she is pretty heavily featured in episode like she's becomes you know the third lead or whatever i guess you could say or something like that in the crew okay uh she becomes pretty pretty heavily featured in that second episode so, so you're saying i should have watched episode two <laughs> yeah i mean she becomes part of the crew and there's just more of her in it uh it's a pretty cool fight scene you know they're kind of like disgraced bandits now there's like wanted posters because the empire knows that they're alive out here and they may may they know the truth of what happened kind of thing so uh they're like well we have to rob a bank 
right? Uh, so they're like, go to do a bank heist and they get there and it's just like completely empty. And their banker guy is like, you, they, they started a queue. Of course, everybody came and got their gold. Like there's nobody, there's nothing here. Right. Um, only so you turn around and this is all set up and the bank has been emptied by the army who's now waiting for them outside. And it's just this big, huge fight battle in the bank and stuff. So that's very cool to see Michelle Yeoh, of course, kicking ass in the, and the fight scenes are like, okay, they're pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, what I saw in the first episode, I thought the fight scenes were pretty solid. Like the action was good. Uh, I, did, yeah. I did not dislike the action uh, at all. I think there was just, I don't know. It's a, it's a world that I felt like I had a barrier to entry. Uh, <laughs> That, yeah, very fair. Uh, the other yeah. thing, the other thing too, with the fights, uh, with the action and stuff, I don't remember if it's all of season one of the original, the main series, or if it's just season one and two, or episode one and two, or something. There is a a little bit of it that is uh, choreographed by the I forget, I don't remember the guy's name. That he was the Night King on Game of Thrones, who was the stunt guy for Game of Thrones. Oh, okay the fight choreographer. So like those first two episodes of the main series are like fucking bang. Like they're awesome. All the fights are so cool. And then there's just like a off the cliff or like, what is that? What happened? <laughs> I mean, compared to those episodes, you know? Um, right. So that's like been this weird thing looming over the, <laughs> over the whole series. So like, what like, happened man, those that first two episodes were good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or the, all the fights were really good. Um, and then, uh, and then that, that they're just pretty good. Now they're just, they're cool. I don't know. Yeah. But so, I, yeah. I, did, I did think it like looked pretty good in this, in this show. And I think that first, ep- that, you know, the first episode where Michelle Yeoh shows up and, you know, fights with them, does the sword play with with them. It's pretty fun. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I like, I like the whole aspect of it. Like she, that she's just using the scabbard, like just to like learn, like just to learn what they like, where they can be improved and stuff. And like, even I think saves Lark's life at one point, like pushes her just out of the reach of Fjell's axe at some, like there's like a whole, like he over, they don't know how to fight as a team yet kind of thing. Uh, and she's going to teach them that because gotta get the band together you know yes <laughs> yeah uh yeah so I, I do think michelle yo is is good in the show uh and it gives her more to do than a lot of other things that we've seen recently um True. so there's that i mean obviously you had everything everywhere which was great but then it was also you know school for good and evil and pause of fury and minions 2 and uh boss level and you know gunpowder milkshake and all all things that like you know gunpowder milkshake gave her a little bit more to do but like all those other things were just like you're either a voice actor who has four lines or you pop up on screen for two minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or you're a human actor that has four lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, and so this is at least like, you know, it's, it's a TV show, so it's a little bit different, but she is like a substantial part of the ensemble cast. Uh, and the first episode does kind of like build to her appearance. It's like excited that Michelle Yeoh is in the show. That's uh, true. Yeah. Which I think is notable. Like, every, like other than Minnie driver, nobody here is like a really recognizable like name. Right. Yeah. Or at least, Two Americans. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess actors. There's, there's a couple of British comedians in here too. Yeah, you got the guy from Shaun of the Dead and <laughs> all that. Yeah, all him, yeah. Uh, but you know, and especially, I mean, the main characters are all pe- are you know all pretty young actors. Sophia Brown um, is, has been in a couple of things, uh, also British, um, but uh, yeah, like hasn't like had like a big TV show in America or like any kind of movies or anything like yeah. that. Uh, and so I think having Michelle Yeoh, like it lends the show some star power that otherwise would not have. And it's, you know, it comes close, I think to the, um, the Meg, not Megan Morgan, uh, reaction where it's like the whole cast stands up and applauds when she yeah. walks in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, still my favorite thing. And, and maybe <laughs> any of the movies that we've watched, uh, just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the best meta Michelle Yeoh reference. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it is interesting. It's pretty cool. And she's, she's described as, uh, like even, even her character is described as like the best sword elf or whatever, cell sword, uh, that exists on the continent and all that stuff. 
and uh, um, if there's anyone that could save us or can help us, it's her and 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 like Lark's actions. Which every time they say Lark, all I can think is John Lark. I was like, is Tom Cruise going to show up? What's happening? Right, um, the fake name that he uses in Mission Impossible Fallout is that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and still in Dead Reckoning because yeah, she doesn't know he's not John Lark. That's true. Uh, her action, Lark's actions, uh, because she gives up being a king guard or whatever they call them. I don't remember a royal guard to become a bard to become the Lark like disgraces her whole house and also Michelle Yeoh who taught her how to be a, a soldier. Um, so now she's like her her own. Like on a row, like a solo uh, cell sword kind of Ronin samurai thing going on. Um, so it's pretty fun that she gets to really lean into that and lean into that like figure of authority uh, kind of thing that we've been tracking a lot. And just like everybody, everybody in the world knows who she is and is afraid of her. And in the other episodes, like they all like, oh, like, oh, shit, it's her. Like they all yeah. like it's like they all freak out when she shows up. Uh, so it's very cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think she's very good in the show. Uh, and it's yeah, it's it's nice to see Michelle Yeoh acting. <laughs> yeah, <know>. she gets <laughs> and, to do a thing. You yeah, know? and fighting. You know, it, it's uh, a, a lot of stuff like School for Good and Evil doesn't really take advantage of, uh, you know, Michelle Yeoh's action skills. Uh, and so The Witcher Blood Origin does. Uh, and that's nice. Nice to see. I'm just so interested in what what <laughs> just you know, having no connection to anybody and who any of these people are. And even yeah. in the main show. There's really only there's two people that are connected in Blood Origin okay. that um, are like oh, and I think that's really only because I've read the books slash play the games that I know like so Aridin, uh, right the like blonde like um, like soldier guy that commits the coup with Baylor if you remember okay. him yes yeah he's it's him he becomes a main villain in the main series because he gets banished to other worlds, uh, like to other universes, which is sort of what this whole blood origins thing is leads up to is okay. this like tear, tear between world happens. And that's where all these monsters and humans and magic all kind of like fall into this world. Oh. Um, and in all of that, Aridin gets banished out into like the cosmos, right? He disappears. And that be- he becomes one of the guys that's like after Siri in the, in the main story, uh, because he needs he needs the source of power that she has kind of thing. So has he been on the main show yet? So I don't know if it's been revealed that it's Aridin, but like who he be- he becomes like the leader of the wild uh wild hunt, I think they're called. Okay. Like um and he's like they're they're tracking down Siri. Uh that's where he goes. That's where he becomes. Um and then the other one is Avalok, which I don't think he's in the first episode, but he's one of the he's an elf guy that helps uh, like I mean, he's a like a wizard mage guy that helps them. Who uh, he also disappears, or I forget what happens to him actually. But he becomes one of the. Basically, the whole thing is everyone is searching for Siri because <laughs> she's like <laughs> a source of magic as a person. Somehow she's got. She actually, I think the other thing. Well, I'm connecting dots in my head now. I'm remembering stuff. Yeah. In episode one of Blood Origin, right? Lark, she's playing in the in the bar. And that guy's like, we don't like your kind here or whatever. And she breaks up that fight, you know? Yeah. If you remember that. I and do. there's that young girl that like has a prophecy. If you remember that, she like okay. has a vision. Yes. Yeah. She is the elf that Siri is descended from, is like the, the actual string of connections. Okay. So that becomes the whole thing is that she's got elven blood with a source of prophecy and magic and yada, yada, yada. Everybody on the continent wants Siri. Uh, and then a couple of the characters, Aridin and Avalok, are in Blood Origin that okay. come back as villains. So do you think this uh, this show was put out there as a way to like sort of introduce those things as concepts so that later when they show up in the Witcher TV show, like it, would make, like it would make a little, like it would make more sense than to just have them kind of pop up out of nowhere? 
I guess so. Yeah, I guess it would make sense. I don't, and there may even uh, yeah, because I didn't finish season three, so I don't know what what happens <laughs> at the end of season three as far as Aval- uh, Aaron yeah. and shit. Because that that that's the thing that I was like, I'm out. <laughs> was when the Wild Hunt shows up. Okay. Um, because it's it's I forget what Siri's doing. She's somewhere else. All of a sudden, it cuts to her running through the forest, being chased by the Wild Hunt, which are like skeletal. War. I don't want to. I don't want to also go back to Game of Thrones. They're kind of like the White Walkers, right? Okay. The harbingers of doom. They bring winter with them. Whatever. Uh, skeletal riders chasing Siri. Geralt just comes out of nowhere and saves her. They were not together before that, and yeah. for some reason, he's there and finds her and saves her. And it's just like, what's the Wild Hunt doing? Where was Geralt? Where was Siri? How did Siri get into this forest? What's going? Like it's just totally disconnected from the previous scene. Uh, and I forget how that episode ends, but I was just like, I think I'm out of here. <laughs> like, right. if we're just going to cut to, oh, shit, the main story. That's right. Uh, the Wild Hunt is here. It felt felt weird and out of place. You know? Yeah. Uh, I will say the actor who plays Aridin in this show, uh, Jacob Collins-Levy, is not in The Witcher yet. Oh, okay. Like, he, has, he hasn't popped up on The Witcher show. But I don't know. Maybe he'd be a different actor on The Witch, on, like, the main show. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Strange. And then, yeah, this this Blood Origins ends with the conjunction of spheres, it's called, which is when, like, those tears open and, and the humans and the magic and the monsters all fall out. And it ends in a pretty ominous thing. It's just, it's pretty cool, actually, to see they, they show us just, like, literally shipwrecked humans. Like, it's just, like, old, like, sailboats and stuff just shattered on the beaches, and it's just, like, hundreds of people right. <laughs> uh, there. And now, now the humans have arrived. Okay, um, and, I, and I know the show kind of ends, and maybe it ends with this, or maybe it's maybe it's halfway through, I don't know, but I know it develops, like it has one of the characters become the first Witcher. Uh, oh, yes. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, okay, I'll bite. What is a Witcher? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Witchers are, um, they're this, uh, they're, pe- they're people that have been trained and like magically enhanced uh, to fight monsters because Monsters have fallen into this world along with magic and chaos, yada, 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 all that stuff. Right. Is that because um, of the conjunction of spheres that uh, happens in the show? Okay. Yes. Um, so he, does, he doesn't become the Witcher because of that, the first Witcher because of that. Um, but the way, they're able to pull off this cu- the coup because they have that like weird dragon thing with the zappy ray. I think that's in the first episode, right? The coup, the coup at the very end. Yes, where they yeah, kill. It is. yeah. That happens because they're playing with portals to other worlds that they're able to control this monster uh, and f- have this coup. The only thing that no one's powerful enough to kill this thing without getting like monster powers or something. Basically, basically, Witcher's the whole shtick is they like uh, get like DNA and parts of other monsters and like merge them with themselves. So like they can have the strength of a bear and the grace of a cat, uh, you know, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So they're like mutated and enhanced people specifically to fight off and fend off monsters. And I think it's really like read the if you're. I think the books are really interesting because they delve more into like the, you know, obviously like interiority of uh, Geralt and like witchers and and all this stuff and the whole, they're sort of like a, a specific, I don't want to say class of people. That feels like a weird way to phrase it, but basically mm. um, that are like destroying themselves. Like they're hunting monsters. And once there's no more monsters, there's no reason to have witchers anymore. Um, right. Like they're killing off the only reason they exist. Yeah. Um, so it kind of goes into that. And then a lot of it is the perception of them as these also monsters. Like you're a mutated human in the books. They have cat eyes so they can like see in the dark and all this stuff. So like, they're just like immediately known as monsters and freaks and mutants and all this stuff. And they really play into this, like, oh, we have no humanity left thing, but because it's useful and it's like, they're uh, 
it's it's good for common folk to be afraid of the people that kill the monsters. I don't know. It's this whole really interesting meditation on all that stuff and also myth and legend and like it literally they go to Arthurian legend at one point, like literally they go to King Arthur's court and stuff. Okay. Huh. Um, so yeah, that, that whole thing. But to answer Wait, your so question, witchers kill monsters. Okay. <laughs> I forgot. Sorry, I Fair forgot. enough. But you, know, you mentioned that they go to King Arthur's court. I only raises further questions for me. Uh, so the, this world is called Zintrea or this kingdom That's of the city is Zintrea or is this- the, empire okay is it supposed to be like it's not supposed to be our world right like it's no but the king of, arthur is like a sort of like a earth thing i assume yeah <laughs> so it, it it gets very weird and heady because of the like i was saying the uh siri is connected to that elf and she's like a source of magic and stuff she eventually gets the ability she develops the ability or whatever uh to jump between worlds and and a lot of it is just like it's a desert where like, it's kind of like, you know, it's just nondescript other fantasy worlds, I guess. Spoil- spoilers for the end of the book series or uh, whatever. If, you, if you're interested in reading them, uh, skip ahead 30 seconds, yeah. whatever. I don't know. She eventually starts jumping through them and like uncontrollably a little bit like she loses control of it and ends up just at this lake in a misty green forest. And she's not really sure what's going on. And some guy walks up to her and introduces himself as Sir Galahad. And he's like, you seem lost. And she's like. <laughs> Well, okay, yeah, and then that sort of ends with her and Sir Galahad going off on an adventure or something. Huh. Um, so like, it, and it starts. Do, there's other a couple other ones that like are winked at as before they explicitly say Sir Galahad. Like, oh, I think that's what this is referencing, and that's what this is referencing, and then yeah. eventually that kind of thing happens. Um, and the books do that a lot, where they sort of um, as they get more towards the later in the series, they become more about like the myth. And like the way legend and myth is manipulated by culture and society and stuff as a useful tool. Uh, like I was talking about with the like the guerrilla elven warfare people and like they kind of like create this myth of like the last elven stand. But really it's like just to get the elves to like suicide charge and kill them, like kill themselves off. You know, okay. it's like all that kind of stuff. And and Geralt and Siri become these kind of like mythical characters that are referenced in those historical excerpts at the beginning and ends of chapters and stuff. Um, so I don't know. I think it's really interesting. It's really cool. And on top of that, just a cool fucking story about the monster hunter dude and his adopted daughter. And they're caught up between this four way war between these kingdoms and an empire and stuff. So right. check that out. And also the, the crazy thing too, I can't think of how to describe it really other than that. They're just like, so matter of fact about a lot of uh, like human brutality, fragility or whatever. Like you'll have a main character be wounded in a battle. And then the chapter will just end and be like, and two weeks later he succumbed to his wounds. And you're like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no like grand, it's like no grand <laughs> death or anything like that. They just like basically die off screen. You're like, what the fuck? No. Um, so yeah, so they're very, they're very fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, the books sound great, and I'm sure the video game is great, and I'm sure the first two seasons of the show are good. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. You know, Mike Mike Smith back in the video games in a big way. Check out, check out Witcher Three. Definitely yes. recommend. <laughs> I say back in the video games in a big way, and I certainly was when COVID happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. And I I think I've played like I've played through like three games this year, maybe. Uh, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, I've really enjoyed them. Uh, I finished God of War Ragnarok, which fucking rules. That game's amazing. Yeah. Uh, speaking of God of War again, uh, and then I played Ratchet and Clank, the new one. Um, I forget what it's called. Uh, Rift Apart is the name of it. Uh, yes. And then I started Deathloop. 
and it was too much for me. So I, <laughs> I, I was too confused. Uh, and so I started playing Final Fantasy 16. Uh, and I'm, I'm nice. playing that right now. And I actually just played it for like four hours today. Uh, and it's fun. It's, re- it's a really good time. Um, however, I am stressing out a little bit because uh, Spider-Man 2 comes out this week. Yes. Uh, and I was hoping to replay Spider-Man 1 before Spider-Man 2 came out. Uh, but I'm occupied with Final Fantasy and I've played it like maybe five times in the three months that I've had it uh, and I want to finish it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Did you uh, ever play the Miles Morales one or I, no? Yeah, I liked Miles Morales a lot. It was really fun. Okay. Uh, I never played it. I'm sure it, it's dope. You should check it out. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's a really fun, it's more, like it, it is its own full-fledged game. It's shorter than the original game, but like it's it's still its own full-fledged thing. Uh, and it expands the uh, the power set that you use, all your controls in a, in a fun way. Like Miles has like electricity powers mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and all that. And you can turn invisible, which is fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, Miles Morales is also really fun. And so I'm excited that Spider-Man 2, you get to play in both as both of them. You know, you get to, yeah. get to do both. And also Venom's in it. Uh, and, he's voiced by, and he's voiced by Tony Todd, which is pretty rad. I don't think I knew that. That's incredible. Holy yeah, shit. That, that's incredible casting right there. Um, wow. So yeah, pretty stoked for that. Uh, so yeah, I am excited to play Spider-Man 2. It might be a while until I get to it, um, which is okay because it'll be cheaper by the time I get to it. So, you know, yeah. it'll, it'll all even out. <laughs> just... uh, everything in balance. Um, exactly. So yeah, but also I recommend to uh, The Witcher, the books there, the first two books are both collections of short stories. So they're like a little bit more monster of the week kind of, and I don't really remember the publishing order because I, I was, it's like really confusing because there's like the original Polish publishing order. And then there's yeah. like the English translation, which puts them in a different order. Really? Okay. I think, I think they were published as like, I think if I remember right, originally it was one short story collection, the five novels, and then a second short story collection in Poland, like in the original publication. Okay. But that last short story connection collection is like, uh, not a prequel, but it takes place before the books. Like it's cause it, it is literally that one. It's called the last wish. I would definitely recommend if you're interested in it, it is literally just Geralt is hurt and he's recovering in a Druid's grove or some shit. And he's like, and this one time I fought this thing. And then it's each short story is him telling a different monster he fought. <laughs> so it's like really unconnected from everything. And I think that was published last, but like technically chronologically it's first. So I think that gets, so I recommend checking out the last wish. If you're interested in dipping your toes in the Witcher stuff and they are just the, uh, like grim fairy. T- like one of them is he fights a, a lady mercenary and her seven bodyguards. Yeah. Uh, like what could that be? Uh, she helps this guy who's cursed to turn into a, Lion and the vampire woman he's in love with. What could that be? You know, it's just like the beating the beat, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and they're very fun and witchery and and dark and interesting. So Uh, check out The Last Wish if you're interested in dipping your toes in the books for The Witcher. Very cool. Uh now back to Michelle Yo. How do you think this fits into the Yo roles that we've seen so far, Mike? Um, I mean, I guess boss level. Cause like it's the same character, but way better, right? She's a, the okay. best swords person that's ever lit, like kind of thing. But she's not in thirty seconds. She's in four full episodes. Yeah. I guess three full episodes. But uh, so I guess boss level. Um, I'm trying to think. There's no over. I guess Shang Chi in a fantasy kind of way, but a different kind of fantasy, obviously. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about uh, some of the fantasy stuff that we've seen Michelle Yeoh in, and yeah, Shang Chi, you know, superhero fantasy stuff. But I was I was actually more thinking like Holy Weapon. Um, oh yeah 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 yeah. you know holy weapon which is also like you know a a big fantasy movie epic war seven seven people who have to gather together to defeat this guy yeah Uh, true 
So uh, I think Holy Weapon and some of the other like kind of wuxia movies of that era, like Butterfly and Sword, might fall into that category. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the TV work is is kind of the big thing. I mean, it kind of reminded me of watching Strike Back Legacy and Marco Polo and yes. uh, and being like, hey, this stuff is, uh, is giving Michelle Yeoh a little bit more to do than her movie counterparts are offering her right now. Uh, and so I think the Witcher blood origin uh, seemed attracted to her for that reason, you know? Um, yeah. And I, and I think actually strike back is a little more of a poignant connection than you even realize because I watched more of them than both of you, <laughs> both yes. seasons. Um, and in, in strike back, she's revealed to be the villain, right? She's the main villain. Yeah. Um, and there's like a good half an episode. I think it's episode three of blood origin where you think, uh, cyan Michelle Yeoh's character has double crossed everybody. Um, they show her, she like goes off on her own. She like steals a horse and vanishes. Uh, and she goes to the Empress, right? She goes to the city where they're going to try to commit, kill the, commit this assassination and kill the Empress. Um, and is like, I have this wanted poster. I have information for them. If you give me back my family sword, I'll tell you where they are. Right. And they, she does. Uh, and she goes back, she brings like 50 guards with her or whatever. And she misleads the crew into this, uh, like Canyon where they're like bottlenecked. Uh, and then the, soldiers show up uh and then she like so you're like oh my god michelle yo is how dare she double cross them oh no uh and she like whistles and that's when uh uthar one nut or whatever his name was uh yeah him and his rock. band of mercenaries show up on the the ridges of the canyon with arrows uh, bows and kill all the soldiers that she brought from the empire so they could steal their armor and march right back on into the town like they belong there so there's yeah. like a good 30 minutes where you're like no michelle no. Where me and my friends are doing the michelle no no <laughs> Uh, Michelle no thing um and then and then turns out she wasn't she's smarter than everybody else in the whole show (laughs) great uh so so mike as a as a witcher fan i mean as somebody who's very deeply enthralled with the uh with the witcher series both the books the video games the show at least until up until recently uh yeah i mean did this show scratch the itch for you did you enjoy the witcher blood origin um i mean yeah for the most part i think like i was saying at the beginning it's more fun for me just as like a fantasy getting the band to small group of heroes having a fight against an empire and right. be sneaky and assassinate an evil queen kind of thing um, than like an overt witcher thing. So there's that aspect of it too. But also like I kind of want to reread the books now. I don't know. I just okay. like it sort of maybe be like, damn, witcher's cool. <laughs> you know, like it's, <laughs> maybe I don't know if this is a, I don't know if witcher blood origins is necessarily a cool thing as far as witcher stuff. But it made me remember how cool the Witcher books are, uh, and I want to go read them again. So. Okay, there's some value in that, I think. I guess that works, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so any other scenes from the Witcher Blood Origin that you feel like we, sh- you, we should mention, Mike? Again, I've only seen the first episode, but if you have anything from the other three episodes that you want to highlight, uh, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess when when Fjall becomes the first Witcher, it's like real gross. Um, really? Yeah, there's this whole thing. They call it the Trial of the Grasses, uh, which is like ha- how they make people into witchers and like it like i said they like make these like potions and whatever and mutate combined their dna with like certain monster dna so that they like gain their strength and night vision and super speed and all that shit whatever you know um and they never really have ever talked about that and that's one of the things like a like i was sort of talking about with uh the like referenced or implied world building in the books they like talk about like we don't know how to do this anymore. Like that's sort of also the thing with Geralt and the la- like the other witchers in, in the main series is like, they're the last ones. Like the knowledge of how to make witchers is lost. Right. Um, it's been hundreds of years. There's no new ones here. It's like, well, what if we Han solo, you know, it's like one of those kind of <laughs> things. Um, 
what if we just show you how they do it? But uh, it's real gross and gnarly, and he, you know, like kind of like liquefies in his body and all this whole because sh- his genes are changing and all this stuff. Right. Um, and then he comes out as sort of it's sort of like the, the like feral predator in prey. You know, he comes out and he's like all like this feral version of what you know Geralt to be. Okay. If you've seen Geralt, <laughs> like if you've seen the other ser- the main series, you know, so it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of cool. I, w- I would be, I would have been interested to see what you thought of that because you would have no idea like yeah. what, what he's becoming or what's going on. <laughs> um, and, and they don't ever like say, and now he's the Witcher, you know, like, right. um, but he is the first one, I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that is the weird thing with prequels. I feel like a lot of people are like, well, well, it's a prequel. So you actually don't need to watch the original to watch it. It's just like, it takes place beforehand. So it doesn't matter. Um, but prequels typically often exist just like, you know, you need the context of the original story to really understand what's going on in this story, <laughs> in this yeah. story. Uh, and some, sometimes again, that's not necessarily the case, but like, I can't imagine watching house of the dragon without having seen game of Thrones, you know, it just feels, <laughs> yeah, feels weird. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. And it's really just the like, I can't think of a specific example from House of Dragons or House of the Dragon, but like, uh, you know, just like them like referencing a place and you're like, well, I know what happens in 700 years there. You right. Know? <laughs> just that added weight of like them saying a name or like of a town or a city or something. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, but I got to imagine like somebody who like didn't watch Game of Thrones and watched the first episode of House of the Dragon and it opens with that like, you know, uh, title card that said 173 years before Daenerys Targaryen. And I, I imagine somebody blankly being like, who is that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, I don't know what this, what's going on. <laughs> That's really I'm already funny, lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause this is a, it's a, one of them, one of the guys like the iron Island or whatever they're called. The great, he's not a great joy, but it's right. Is he? Oh yeah. Oh. I, there's yeah. Somebody is, uh, I mean, it's, been like two years since the show aired it's or whatever everybody yeah uh, maybe a year, a year or so but like yeah every once in a while you hear like oh this guy's like a lannister or whatever and it's yeah like, who i know who the lannisters are <laughs> exactly <laughs> like you you probably like you don't you don't need to know who they are but like you get it a little extra juice when you do exactly yeah <laughs> um so yeah there's a lot of that in in blood origin i guess also right yeah. and, all, and all of that just went straight over my head had no right. idea <laughs> Who's this fucking Yaskier guy? Yaskier. Yeah, I mean, and truly that one was just like, I, I was able to figure out he was part of the, you know, the main yeah. show. <laughs> um, but that did take me, it took me a little bit out of it, I think. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, it is interesting to have that because that is a, a lot of the Witcher stuff, the books particularly, have that like framing device thing going on. Um, like I said, the the Last Wish short story collection is Geralt's like recovering from an injury, telling stories about right. hunting. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff in the the like excerpted chapters, or like at the end of chapters in the book with those excerpts, like they like are referencing history stuff, and they do they do a lot of that kind of thing where it's like, particularly I think in the last book, there's like literally cutaways to within the chapters to like a literal history class. And somebody's like asking questions. And then who remembers where Geralt went after this? And then they're like, I I do. And then the chapter is like, huh. And then it's that thing happening. Um, So yeah, yeah, I don't know. It becomes weird and all about that kind of myth and story and all that. It's important wrapped up in the, in the Witcher universe. So, 
it's cool that they did that, I guess, but it is weird to just drop it in for 30 seconds with Mini Driver in it. You're like, yeah. what the fuck is going on with this? And and they pop, they pop up again like throughout the show, like every episode or something like that. She Mini Driver narrates um every now and then where okay. it's like and then I think at the end of the episode we're like and then two became three. It's it always it, every time it happened, it made me think of the D&D episode of Community where it's the cleaning lady. It's like, and have a good night with the, yeah. the, the Galadriel voice. Um, that kind of thing is happening. Uh, happens yeah. a couple times in the episodes. Um, and then, yeah, at the end of the final episode, after the, the humans have shown up, the conjunction of spheres, all that stuff, it goes back to that battle or, or to Mini Driver talking to him. And is like, and now take this story of the first Witcher into the world. Like, and I don't really, I mean, like I said, I didn't finish season three, so I don't know how any of that plays into it, but uh, right. She's like, take this gift and use it to unite the people or whatever. And then he's back in the battle, all that stuff. And he's got the the papers with the story written on it in his hand. Um, so I don't know. I guess maybe one day, maybe it'll make me go back and finish those last three episodes of uh, season three just to see if there's a payoff to Blood Origin or not. Right. How annoying would that be if they that- just never, <laughs> never, never <laughs> reference it or like so many seasons later they show it or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I have no idea. Um, so maybe they do reference it at some point. Who, who knows? Who's who's to say? Who could possibly know what happened at the end of season three of The Witcher? <laughs> maybe maybe Blood Origin was the key all along to liking season three of of the witcher could be maybe if you go back and rewatch it you might uh th- there might be some new things to uncover <laughs> maybe there are secret mini drivers like a <laughs> mike flanagan show but only with mini drivers at the background <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly uh that that makes sense to me i think <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, i think uh i think it's about time for us to wrap this up right mike <laughs> i think so i've, t- I've okay. rambled about the witcher long enough uh and i will say uh because it's a tv show uh, i was like well there's not going to be any letterbox reviews for it um but as we were recording this episode, it occurred to me that sometimes Letterboxd um, does like they put miniseries up there. True. Uh, now that Letterboxd sold out and they're uh, owned by some company. Yeah. I forget what it's called because it's late and I we worked all day. But uh, yeah, they're going to put TV shows. They're going to ruin that fucking app because of course uh, they are. You Private know, I, equity. That's what I was talking <laughs> about. Know, Private I, I, equity. I have been saying for a while, like, oh, it would be nice if there was like a Letterboxd for TV shows. But I don't want them to be the same thing. No. Uh, you know what I mean? And there actually already is an app called Serialized um, that is Letterboxd for TV shows. Uh, that's, you know, different company, different whatever. Um, but I did use that for a while. And it's like, yeah, this, this kind of works. I can kind of get get behind it. Um, but even before they were they were bought out, they were putting miniseries up on there. Yes. Uh, and turns out Witcher Blood Origin, it does have Letterboxd reviews. Oh. Uh, so I didn't collect any. Um, so I'll just read one, which I did like a quick glimpse of like some of the reviews. And I think this one kind of gets to the heart of everybody's feelings on this show. Okay. Uh, and this is a two star review from Ava 0407. I only finished the series from Michelle. Yeoh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. I don't remember her character's name, but there, um, a like dwarf lady joins the crew in, I think episode three. Yeah. And she fucking rules. Okay. She's, very fun. Uh, she, she, her, her hammer, she forged her hammer with the ashes of her wife, uh, and has been like sworn, uh, revenge on the crew, but like talks to the hammer, like is like a Thor Mjolnir thing, like is communicating with the hammer or like just talking out loud to it as if it's, she's having a conversation. Um, so she's insane and just hilarious and she's awesome. Uh, and I forget her name or the actor, but, uh, worth it for episode three, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, <laughs> very cool. Uh, fair enough. And Mike, I'm sorry that this is the only piece of Witcher media that I've ever experienced. 
That's okay. Stay 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 tuned for our third podcast, the the Witcher cast. Witcher cast, where every we just are gonna do one chapter at a time. That's right. <laughs> we'll do great. the books. We'll play the game. We'll watch the show. It'll be a whole thing. It'll take us twenty years, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will say. I will say. So this is my the only real piece of Witcher media I've ever watched. I think I did watch. Our buddy Kyle Cullen, who edits our podcasts, uh, I think I went over to his house at one point in like 2015, and I think I watched him play The Witcher 3 for like 10 minutes. Hell yeah. Um, so there was that, you know? <laughs> at least there's that. <laughs> uh, all right, Mike D, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can find me at mdfilmblog.bsky.social on Blue Sky. You can also donate to support the show on our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and the Mike Pods. If you want to donate to buy Mike the books for The Witcher, so he'll have no choice but to read them, we won't stop you. Yes. Um, if, if you donate $150, I will read the first Witcher book. My God. I meant just buy the like pay for the book. <laughs> oh, buy, buy me the book. Yeah, buy it, you the book. If you donate $150, I will use some of that cost to buy the first book. <laughs> And then I will pocket the rest for myself, and that'll be enough for me to read the book. Fair. <laughs> uh, if you also instead want merch, you could get merch on our Redbubble, which is mikeandmikepods.redbubble.com. Yes, and you can find me online at M. Smith Film Blog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thank you for listening to Complete Works. I'm Mike Smith. That's my decree show. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at Complete Works Pod. That's W R K S, no O in the word works. And you can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside many other podcasts, all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. Our theme song was created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at kylespodcastthemes at gmail.com. And our logo was designed by Mac V or at Fearless Guard on Twitter. Uh, so join us in the next week in the Complete Works, where I think we might be getting back in the cage, Mike. What? Uh, <laughs> in in this economy? In this economy, we are, we are getting back in the cage uh, because Butcher's Crossing is finally coming out, Mike. Wow. I, it's not the one I thought would come out first. Uh, were you thinking dream scenario um, or no, the retirement yeah, plan? Retirement plan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The retirement plan, I mean, did come out in theaters, but like just barely. And we both missed it. Yeah. Uh, so we we're kind of waiting on the VOD release for that one. But Butcher's Crossing hits theaters this weekend. Uh, and so if we're both able to see it, we'll do Butcher's Crossing. If not, the next Michelle Yeoh thing is American Born Chinese on Disney+. Plus. First episode only, I assume. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll do the we'll do the first episode. We'll say we're doing the first episode. If either one of us wants to continue past it, we can do that too. But uh, yeah, the first episode of American Born Chinese is is the Perfect. plan. Uh, and hopefully, she's in that first episode for more than the last five minutes. Like God has been the case. <laughs> damn it! I didn't even consider that. I keep. Uh, how could I forget? That's almost certainly going to happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, guaranteed. Uh, but I think if we can both see it, Butcher's Crossing will be the plan this weekend. Uh, it's the weekend that a new Martin Scorsese movie comes out. But we're going to go see Butcher's crossing instead <laughs> that's right baby uh that's actually, a complete uh, works promise yes i'm actually i'm gonna go see both uh well okay <laughs> listen that's my plan and i have actually already seen butcher's crossing as we've talked about before uh which uh was about a year ago uh we played at the montana film festival um played that last year at mtff it's finally coming out and i actually am curious to see it again because it looks like they really like changed the color palette of it it looks visually really? very different than what it did back then Wow, interesting. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see if that uh, if that changes the movie at all. So see what happens. 
Anything's possible. Yeah. Especially uh, in a Nick Cage movie. Exactly. So maybe Butcher's Cross next week or American Born Chinese. And remember to check out our other podcast, Mike and Mike Go to the Movies, for all kinds of other movie-related stuff, including recent releases, ranked lists, general discussions, and a lot more. So thanks so much for listening, guys. And thanks for taking it, yo. Yo.